0: I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. If you value our work, please consider supporting us by becoming a podcast sponsor. If you become a new sponsor or if you renew your current sponsorship by increasing your gift, the impact of your investment in the Cato Institute will be doubled thanks to one of our generous sponsors who will be matching your gift dollar for dollar. The only way to do it is to visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and make that donation. Cato accepts no government money. We depend on the generosity of sponsors to help us advance the values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 18th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. As the COVID-19 pandemic moves forward, who gets the brand spanking new vaccines first? Is that distribution fair, equitable, or motivated by politics? And is there a uniquely libertarian solution? Cato's Michael Cannon says, no, there isn't.
1: Now that those are online, the, the, the demand for these vaccines is going to be tremendous. Uh it's going to far outstrip the supply for months, if not years. And the question arises, how are we going to distribute these vaccines? The usual answer is pretty straightforward and simple. In times of crisis, even when uh, you've got an a, a extremely scarce commodity in an emergency situation like bottled water after a hurricane, what you want to do is you don't want the government getting involved in distributing this. You want market prices to Reflect the actual need for these items, because while yes, the the, the price for say bottled water or vaccines might skyrocket, the, those uh, skyrocketing prices will first make sure that they go to the highest valued user users of those uh, of those products, the people who need water the most. Uh, they will make sure that people don't hoard them. Uh, the high prices will will discourage hoarding, and. Uh, but as important, the high prices will act as a signal to others that there's a desperate need for these items. Send high prices say uh, tell the rest of the world, send more water. We need more water here, and that will bring greater supply and, and ultimately help alleviate the shortage. A lot of that story applies to vaccines as well. if you have if you let market prices govern the distribution of vaccines, there will be all of those benefits. Uh, you will or, or most of those benefits, you will discourage hoarding. You will uh, signal uh, to people that they should increase the supply of these vaccines. But there are differences between vaccines and other goods. You know, Water is a private good. The benefits of that bottle of water are going to accrue entirely to the person who purchases it. The benefits of a vaccine do not accrue entirely to the person who takes that vaccine. There are benefits to you benefit when I take a vaccine because if uh, if that reduces the transmissibility of the illness uh, of the, of the pathogen that reduces your likelihood of uh, uh, my taking the vaccine reduces your likelihood of, of contracting this illness of passing it on to others. And so this is one of those areas where uh, a a good has what we call positive externalities where, because I don't gain, I don't get all the benefit of, uh, of my taking the vaccine Uh, markets might not produce this socially optimal quantity of the vaccine. And even more complicated, uh, the the vaccine might then not go to the highest value users because I might place a very low value on my taking the vaccine because I might think that, you know, I'm young and healthy and I'm not likely to get sick. But I could be a very high value user of that vaccine if my taking the vaccine would, would prevent transmission of the pathogen to lots of other people. You know, I could be a healthcare worker. I could be in the service industry. I could, you know, I I could be somebody who goes out and frequents bars and 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 shouts at concerts and these sorts of things, and all activities that are associated with uh, with spreading the novel coronavirus. So, uh, so there's a there's a mismatch between the total social value of the vaccine of a, of an individual person taking the vaccine, a- and that the value that that person derives. And when that happens, when you have those positive externalities, uh, you might not get the right quantity, uh, market prices might not produce the right quantity, and, uh, and the vaccines might not go to the highest value users. Now, a lot of people will say that, that that means that we should have government distributing the vaccine, and that does not follow at all, because in order to make that case, you have to be able to argue that the government can improve on the situation that we would get if we just left. Vaccine distribution to market forces and market prices. Uh, you you may uh, uh, be able to improve on that situation uh, with government intervention, but it's not clear at all. I mean, ask yourself. Uh, suppose let's create this hypothetical scenario. Suppose that that uh, younger person who is a uh, who is definitely a transmission vector because of uh, his habits and he doesn't really like masking and, and what have you. Uh, suppose that getting the vaccine to younger people were more important than getting it to older people. Suppose that that would save more lives, even though if you vaccinated nursing home residents and and senior citizens with comorbidities, you would definitely save lives doing that. Just suppose for the sake of this hypothetical that uh, giving the vaccine to younger people would save uh, even more lives because it would tamp out the transmission of this vaccine and prevent even more older and vulnerable patients from getting it. Can we really be confident that the political system Will distribute the vaccines to the uh, younger people in this hypothetical, distribution to whom would save more lives? Or, or would the political system be more likely to respond to the demands of older uh, individuals, senior citizens, uh, who tend to vote more, who are p- more afraid for themselves and know that if they get the vaccine, then it will save their life? Uh, it, uh, I don't think we can really uh, reasonably expect that the political system will reliably get the vaccine to the people who uh, are the highest valued users. The political system doesn't respond to value that way. It responds to votes. And so it is going to distribute the vaccine according to where the votes are, not where the value is. And so it may be the case. It, It may well be the case that the best we can do in terms of getting vaccines to the highest valued users Is just letting market forces govern, letting letting market prices uh, 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 govern distribution of the vaccine, even if that means they're going to skyrocket. And and you might not see uh, what a lot of people fear, which is rich people getting the vaccine first. You know, rich people live in great big houses. They tend to have the sort of jobs that they can do from home. They don't need to go out into the world. They can lock down for longer than people with lower income. So they may not be the highest value. They may not be the highest value recipients, and they may not be the highest bidders for a vaccine either because they have alternatives to protect themselves.
0: The United States has made significant guarantees to secure quantities of uh, this vaccine, so it seems that they are in charge of it.
1: That's right. Another way that this scenario is different from the the scenario of bottled water after a hurricane is that here, in order to boost supply before we even knew if we had any vaccines or if they would work, the federal government promised to purchase tens of millions of doses uh, or hundreds of millions of doses of these vaccines. Now, that is something that the government can do to boost supply before, uh, well, maybe not before the market can, but early on when we know there's going to be a demand, that's going to help to uh, uh, alleviate the shortage. Uh, but it also, and it also creates a situation where the government has purchased these vaccines. And then the uh, once the government has purchased these vaccines, then we can't really avoid the question of how is the government going to distribute them. And one way would be for the government to distribute them, uh, you know, to the highest bidder, that would probably be a pretty messy process. But what's the approach the federal government has decided on is to give certain quantities to states and then let state governments decide whom to prioritize in terms of receiving the vaccine. And uh, once the government is in the position of owning these vaccines and having to decide how to how to distribute them, there really is no, uh, no libertarian answer, certainly, uh, about how to distribute them. Uh, libertarian principles don't tell us anything at that point. It's really a cost-benefit uh, analysis about how is the government most likely to get those vaccines to the highest-valued users, and there, it's it's there's an incredible amount of uncertainty. No one knows uh, th- the right strategy there, and in those sorts of circumstances, probably the best we can hope for is federalism, is letting different states come up with different rules and seeing which set of priorities or which rationing rules are going to curb the transmission of this virus the most. Uh, hopefully, uh, states, uh, some states will have great success and other states will be able to emulate those successes. It might be that, that immunizing healthcare workers and the elderly works best. It may be, uh, other populations, uh, states that, uh, that that prioritize other essential workers, uh, may stem outbreaks faster. We don't know. Uh, but the approach, given the fact that the government owns these vaccines now, the approach that uh, the federal government is following, which is letting the states decide who gets them, is probably the best one.
0: You've alluded to this, uh, but one of the other ways in which water differs from vaccines uh, is that Coca-Cola can't just transition its plants to making vaccines like they can water. Uh, There are permissions required. Obviously, the FDA plays an outsized role in this as well. So, right. We've we've been assuming we're at a point where this
1: vaccine is available to be sold an illegal commodity that you can give away or sell but the federal government has delayed for months and months the uh, ability of drug manufacturers to do that i think it was the Moderna vaccine was uh, developed within days of sequencing the the genome of the novel coronavirus it was available before the first identified case in the united states uh, the first case identified through uh, PCR testing on January 19th and uh, and yet it's still not available for sale in the United States. That is because the federal government has been standing in the way of drug companies uh, bringing these drugs to the public. In order to bring a vaccine or other drug uh, to market in the United States, you have to get FDA approval. The FDA requires usually two large randomized controlled tests, smaller tests leading up to the, uh, those initial tests to demonstrate. To the FDA's satisfaction, that the drug uh, or vaccine that you want to bring to market is both safe and efficacious for its intended use. Now, uh, this is not science that the FDA is doing when it makes that decision. What the FDA is doing is it's making a value-based decision in which it, it is imposing its values on 330 million Americans. When the FDA says that we're going to approve this vaccine, we're going to approve this drug, they're saying, we believe that the benefits of this product outweigh the risks. The only way to make that sort of value decision, value judgment, is if you have a set of values. Uh, But you know what? Values vary. And there are patients in this country uh, whose values the FDA tramples by saying, even because they would like to, to have access to these vaccines earlier in the process. Uh, or they would like to have a, uh, access a drug before the FDA approves it. And the FDA says, no, we're not going to let you do that. Uh, we're not going to let you make that decision for yourself. We're going to make it for you. And as a result, patients have to wait months uh, in the case of this vaccine, years in the case of uh, other drugs, in order to exercise their fundamental right to health care, which is the, uh, the right to make their own health decisions. If we didn't have the FDA playing this role, if the FDA instead uh, was a certification agency rather than a gatekeeper that blocks your access to these medicines well, the way that we would have been fighting this novel coronavirus just would have looked completely different. First of all, it would have been easier to get diagnostic tests uh, online and available for people to take. Uh, the Fda delayed the availability of diagnostic tests for uh, for months and months at the beginning of this crisis, which made the outbreak worse. But we would also have drug companies could have made uh, vaccines available to uh, to people who are willing to purchase them much earlier. At the same time, they were uh, doing randomized controlled trials. Now, the demand for an untested vaccine is going to be extremely low. Only, only the most risk-averse people who think they know the most about the science of this and, uh, are are going to are going to sign up to take a vaccine before there's evidence from large clinical trials. Uh, but that is their right to do so if they're willing to accept the risks uh and the drug company is willing to sell it to them if we had done that if we had allowed people to take these drugs to choose to uh to take the vaccine as evidence was emerging of efficacy then we might have been able to uh to uh, stem curb uh, a, a lot of the outbreaks that we've seen in the united states we would probably have more information on the efficacy uh, and the safety of the vaccines, and uh, and we could have be saving many more lives than we're saving right now, where we're losing two, three thousand Americans per day to this to this illness. So the the government's track record in this crisis is abysmal. It was on the wrong side when it came to diagnostic tests. It has been on the wrong side when it comes to vaccines. And it continues to be an obstacle to states as well as the private sector and their ability to at least mitigate and, if not, end this public health crisis.
0: Michael Cannon directs health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.